Hi, I'm Chris Klink, and you're listening to my Writing Table Podcast. Tamara Grantham is the award-winning author of more than a dozen books and novellas, including Olive Kennedy, Fairy World MD series, The Shine novellas, and the Twisted Ever After trilogy. Tamara has been a featured speaker at multiple writing conferences, and she has been a panelist at Comic-Con Wizard World speaking on the topic of female leads. For her first published project, she collaborated with New York Times bestselling author William Bernhardt in writing The Shine series. Born and raised in Texas, Tamara now lives with her husband and five children in Wichita, Kansas. She rarely has any free time, but when the stars align and she gets a moment to relax, she enjoys reading fantasy novels, taking nature walks, which fuel her inspiration for creating fantastical worlds, and watching every Star Wars or Star Trek movie ever made. Welcome, Tamara. Hi. Tamara, you have published several novels. How many have you published today? 17. 17. Oh my gosh. I read that it took a while for you to get your mojo and write that first one. Can you tell us what helped you turn the corner? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was a teenager, I loved to read and I thought, well, I want to try to write a book. So I would sit down and I would have this idea in mind. For example, I had an idea of a girl standing on a cliff and a dragon flying up to her because I like fantasy books. So I wanted that scene in a book. So I would sit down to write my book and my characters would go to an inn and to a forest and to a beach, but they never got to a cliff with the dragon (laughs) flying up to the girl. And so I would just get discouraged. And I went and finished a book. It wasn't until years later, I was married. I had three young kids and we were living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And my husband was doing a surgery residency, which was brutal. And I needed some creative outlet. And so my friend loaned me a book called The Princess of the Midnight Ball by an author named Jessica Day George. It was about the 12 dancing princesses, like that fairy tale kind of retold. And after I finished the book in her bio, it said she wrote the book while she had two young children. And I thought, okay, if she can do that, I've had these story ideas in my head for so long. I'm going to write a book, but I'm going to do it differently this time. So I sat down and I wrote an 11 page outline for my first novel. And I wrote beginning, middle and end. So I knew exactly where everything was going to go. After that, I wrote the book in like a month. It was, wow. <laughs> my goal was just to finish a book. And so that's how I finally did it was with an outline. Do you ever get to a point in the story where you have to modify or deviate and go back to that outline and revise? Uh, sometimes, yes. I try not to have to do that. I try to make sure that I've got all those things figured out. But there are times when I do have to go back to my outline and be like, okay, this isn't working. Because sometimes when I write the outline and then start writing the story, there's something about seeing the way things fit in the story that's just different than how they work out in an outline. So there are times when I do have to be like, okay, this is just not going to work. And I just have to kind of redo things. And I try not to make my outlines so strict. Like I know that I'm going to have to change some things in the actual book. And so I try to just hit on my major plot points so that I can reach those major plot points, but still have some freedom in there to change things if they need to be changed. So when you're doing this, you know, we all talk about the messy middle. The Mm -hmm. beginning is usually easy. Yes. By the time you get to the end, it can be easy because you've laid all that track. Is there anything in there that you've learned after all these books that 
you absolutely have to get this planned before you start. I said I write the 11 page outline, but what I do after that is I go to pen and paper and I write down the entire outline without looking at my computer. And if there's something that I forget while I'm writing that in pen and paper, I know that's probably going to be a trouble spot. And so a lot of times I'll write that 11 page outline, but then I'll go and rewrite the outline, pen and paper, plot out at least what's going to happen at the beginning, like the inciting incident like what's going to propel my characters to action. And then I want the first plot point, it's called plot point one, which is like really the major event that there's no turning back now. Once you hit that plot point, you're in the story and you can't go back to where you were before. You were talking about the messy middle. I like to outline the midpoint and I like to have some kind of big event that happens in the middle of the book. So that kind of lifts up that messy middle. I'd like to have it be something that happens directly to the character that kind of changes the character's perspective. And so it's kind of my character turning point in the middle of the book. So there's a turning point in the middle of the book. And then by the end of the book, that's the completion of them realizing whatever it is they needed to learn. I was talking about the girl standing on the cliff with the dragon Mm -hmm. flying up. My fourth book that I wrote was actually the first one that I published. And there was a scene in the book where I had the girl standing on the cliff with the dragon flying up. So I was finally able to write that one, which is funny because it was the first book that was published. So (laughs) a book called Story Structure by William Bernhardt. And I took some writing classes from him. His book on story structure, I think, was really good. He touches on all the things that I was just talking about. He presents it in a way that's easy to understand. So every time I outline a book, I get his book out. You donate a portion of your sales to the American Society for Suicide Prevention and have highlighted mental health awareness on your website. Mm-hmm. Uh, what inspired you to do this? I've struggled with mental health and I've it's something that runs in my family. And it's one of those things that I just feel like doesn't get talked about enough. And I feel like there's a stigma towards it. I mean, I guess donating money is good, but for me, it's more about getting the word out there and just being open about mental health and mental health awareness. When I started writing, I felt like writing helped me with my own mental health. So it's a way for me to kind of give back and to bring some awareness to that topic. I just finished watching the series Made. Mm -hmm. And they, I don't know if you've seen that, Stephanie Land's book, it's a largely fictionalized version of her experience. But Towards the end, they're in this domestic violence shelter, and she starts facilitating these writing groups. You could see how cathartic it was with those characters to be able Mm -hmm. to tell their story, and everybody has a story. And so to be able to tell your story, and also you're saying about bringing awareness, especially I think as a YA and middle grade author, is so important. And you really obviously understand that about Mm -hmm. how susceptible our kids are. During the pandemic, I feel like the mental health situation became harder for people because they were indoors and weren't able to get out and talk to other people. And I think that is another reason that made me want to bring up the conversation. I think the mental health awareness is especially important for like 14 and 15 year old kids, because I think that's when the mental health issues really start to be presented And kids that are that age and who maybe think that there's something wrong with them or, you know, don't know what to do about maybe depression and things like that. And I know it would have helped me when I was that age. If I had had a little bit more knowledge, it's treatable. There's things you can do about it. It doesn't make you like really weird or awful or anything like that. So, yeah. 
Tell me how you came to the YA genre. I think as a teenager growing up, I read YA, even though at that time it wasn't called young adult. But I feel like it's just a genre that really resonates with not only teenage readers, but with adult readers as well. Adult readers maybe are looking for something that's cleaner to read that they can kind of trust and they tend to turn to young adult books. And I also like young adult fantasy because I feel like there's so much creativity that can go into that. And so I just enjoy writing for that age group. I think it's so fun because they have these amazing imaginations and that I really feel like you can just go anywhere with young adult fantasy. And so I have kids uh, ages six to 16 also. So I kind of wanted to write books for my own kids that they could read and enjoy. So that's something that really drew me to the YA genre. On that point, you are about to come out with your first middle grade. What brought you to that? Well, it's really funny. A lot of my books start because I have really vivid dreams that are just crazy vivid dreams. And I'll wake up and I'm like, that's perfect for a book. (laughs) And that's how this book started. The concept was that it's a fantasy world that has evolved into this technological world, but they don't use traditional technology. They use magic for their technology. So they've got these big skyscrapers and they've got phones and things like that, but it's all fueled by magic. My idea was that the Dark Lord is going to escape again, but since magic has just transformed the world, nobody really cares anymore. They're like, oh, that's old news. We don't really care about the Dark Lord anymore. And with all the changes in the world, the Dark Lord has gotten a little smarter and he's realized that every time that he breaks free from prison, some young orphan boy with a sword comes and destroys him. So he's gotten a little smarter. As soon as he breaks out, he goes and destroys all the orphan boys who have magic, who can talk to swords and who would potentially put him back in prison. After that happens, my main character, his name is Gordy, he decides that he's going to become the chosen one, even if he's not really the chosen one, the not so chosen one. So it was just so much fun to write. And there's a lot of humor in the book. I just wanted to write something that was heartwarming, that would be fun for families to read. That's not necessarily just for middle grade readers, but for Teen and adult readers would really enjoy it too. I have four boys and one girl and my girl reads a ton, but some of my boys just aren't really into it. And they say, mom, there's just not a lot of books for me. You know, a lot of books are just geared towards girls. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll write you a book. So (laughs) both can enjoy it. Your Gordy is very relatable. He's an every guy. There can only be so many of the guys that are the... Right. He doesn't have any superpowers or anything like that. He's just a normal 13-year-old kid trying to do the right thing. I did. I wanted to make him relatable. You're a series writer. So how do you approach a series versus a standalone? Well, it goes back to the outline. And I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it really does. Like um, You know you're writing a series when you start that first one? Yeah. When I write my first book, I at least have in mind where I want to go with the series and how I want the series to end. So I don't sit down and outline the entire series. I just kind of have in my head how many books I want to write and how I want the whole series to end. And then how I get there, I determine that book by book. 
try to give my characters quite a few flaws that they're trying to work through. For example, in one of my series, it's my Fairy World MD series. It's my longest series. It's seven books. And uh, my main character is always trying to find a home. Like she's always trying to figure out where she belongs. She never really feels like she belongs. She's half elf, half human. She never feels like she belongs with the elves. And she never feels quite right with the humans. And so that's kind of her series struggle. And I don't reveal how she finds her home until book seven. And then you finally figure out where she belongs. You know, everybody publishes differently. So what is your publishing story? For my first three books, it was a great learning process for me. That's when I really learned about how to write query letters um, that I found out that you needed an agent if you wanted to have a publisher. And back, this was like 10 years ago, self-publishing was just kind of emerging. There were some people who were doing it well, but most people at that time were still trying to get an agent. So I thought, okay, I guess I need an agent. Um, And so I tried that for a while. And then I learned that getting an agent is really, really difficult. And so with my fourth book, I started researching kind of mid-level publishers. You don't need an agent for them but they can help you. They're just as good as one of the big publishers, especially with eBooks, because there's not all that cost with the print and the distribution. And so I found a couple publishers that I like for that fourth book, which was actually the first book of a new series I had written. It was called Dream Thief. I sent my query letter to two different publishers and both of them requested manuscripts the next day, which was like unheard of. Yeah. And then the publisher that I was kind of my second place publisher, they sent me a contract and I was like, oh, that's really exciting that I got a contract, but I really wanted that other publisher. So I sent the publisher, the second publisher, who was my number one publisher. I told them, look, I got a contract from these other people and I waited all day. And I think it was like 1030 or 11 o'clock at night. They sent me an email with a contract for them. I mean, it was crazy. It was an incredible experience. And I was so happy because they were like my dream publisher. I published that seven book series, the Fairy World MD series with them. And then I published a trilogy that was a fairy tale retelling trilogy with them. And now I've got a new series that's going to come out with them next year. It's called Harley Sinclair. It's kind of a female Indiana Jones with magic. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, it's really fun. What is something special readers will always get when reading one of your books? Wow, that's a really good question. Well, I think one thing I I hope they'll get, at least by the end of a series, is they'll feel um, happy and uplifted. I have like some scary scenes and stuff in my books, but at the end... I want readers to just feel like they're, they've gone on this journey with my characters and I want them to feel like everything works out well. I don't write like super gritty or edgy or anything like that. I, I try to keep things kind of clean and lighthearted. And while I have some books that definitely delve into some darker topics and things like that, I want things in the end when everything is said and done and everything is resolved. I want my readers to feel happy, to feel uplifted. Yeah. Well, what is next for you? Well, I've gotten myself into it. I guess it's a good situation to be in, but I am trying to write two different series at the same time, which is not the best situation, but it's the situation I'm in. So it's okay. 
first I'm going to write a sequel to the Harley Sinclair book that I told you about. And then if this book sells well enough, the not so chosen one, the one that come, yeah. it's coming out next week, my publisher said, if it sells well enough, I get to write the sequels. Nice. So, yeah. So I'm really trying to push those book sales because it's not written to be a standalone. I wrote it to be a series. I wrote it to be a trilogy. So I really want we need to get those other stories out there. Yes. Yes. I have to, especially if you read this book. And you read the end, you're going to be like, okay, where's the next book? doesn't have a bad ending or anything like that, but you definitely feel like you want to pick up the next book. What are you reading now? I have been reading a lot of fairy tale retellings. Like I said, I, I wrote a trilogy of fairy tale retellings. There's an author I really like. Her name is Jody Headland. She writes a bunch of fun, just young adult fairy tale retellings. That's been my latest kick. <laughs> I also read... Hail Mary by the author who wrote The Martian. I belong to a writer group in Oklahoma. For whatever reason, Oklahoma has some really excellent writing groups. <laughs> I'm sure Kansas does too, but I just don't know about them. It's called OWFI and they have a yearly conference. I'm part of another group. It's called OKRWG, which is Oklahoma Romance Writers Guild. And I'm not strictly a romance writer, although most of my books have a romantic subplot. I feel like as you progress with your writing career, your writing needs for a writing group kind of change. So like when you're first starting out, you really want like some beta readers who will come in and tell you, you know, just help you with the basic mechanics of writing and things like that. And then as you get published and you write more books, I feel like you still need beta readers, but for kind of other reasons, um, you know, they can help you with continuity and things like that in your books. And then I feel like other writers, especially as they get published and as you get published, you just help each other out. Writing can be a really lonely thing sometimes. I went to a writing retreat a couple of weeks ago. It was just a bunch of writers who got together. We rented a house for a weekend and got together and wrote. And it was such a nice thing for me to be able to just share with other writers. It's funny because before I went to the writing retreat, the book that I was working on, I thought, oh, it's not very good. I don't like it very much. And then as I worked on it that weekend, by the time that I left, I decided, actually, I love this book. It was just, <laughs> my life was so stressful that sitting down to write the book was hard. And so being in that environment with other writers and being able to just sit down and work on the book, I'm like, okay, I actually do really love this book. In your view, what is good writing? Oh, that is an excellent question. I feel like writing that doesn't get in the way of itself. So when you read a book, you want to be transported somewhere and you don't want to be thrown out of the story. And I feel like this is something really easy for readers to get thrown out of the story as typos. Like anytime you encounter a typo, for me, it throws me out of the story. And so that's an easy one for readers to spot. But there's other more subtle things that writers do that readers may not realize is going on. But things that take you out of the story when you're a, an author, you don't mean to take the reader out of the story. But there are things that that authors do. I call it the author curse, because once you figure out what these things are that are taking people out of the story and you start reading a book and you see those things in there and you're like, taking me out of the story. You're not supposed to be doing that author, whoever you are. <laughs> like you can, you can almost picture that hook, you know, the old hook that they drag somebody off the stage. Yes. I'm out of the story. Yes. 
Yeah. So good writing for me is writing that keeps you in the story and doesn't take you out of the story. I can think of one other example of a book I was reading. I thought the book was set in a fantasy time. Apparently it wasn't, but the way that the book opened, it was like in a dungeon. They had firelight. There was a dragon there. To me, sounded like a fantasy world. And I started reading it and the author compared the sheen of the dragon scales to a road sign. It threw me out of the book. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, this is fantasy. Well, later on, I figured out it was supposed to be set in modern day, but the way that the book was introduced, it just didn't work. And it just threw me out of the story. So it's just things like that, you know, that things that when you want to be involved and invested in the story, you want to stay there. You don't want to be thrown out of it. What is the best writing advice you've received? Okay. I was talking about how I took some classes from William Bernhardt. At the end of one of his classes, it was a five-day long class. It was intensive. I got like hardly any sleep because we would have like writing assignments that we would do. It was excellent. But at the end of the class, we had to come up with our own writing goal. One of the things that he had mentioned in the class was to keep writing, was to write every day. So that was my goal. I wanted to write every day. And I set a word count goal, which was a thousand words, which is about four pages. And so to me, that was probably the best piece of advice that I got because it seems like something really simple, just write every day, but it gets so hard. You have five kids. Seriously. I tried several times, did not finish a manuscript until I was 47 years old. Okay. Mm -hmm. So kids were grown. How do you do it with five kids? Well, I write better in the morning. I know that I that I can get more words written in the morning. My kids have just learned when I'm on my computer that that's my writing time. And I spend time with them like in the afternoon and evening. That is my time with them. But when it's morning, they know that's mom's writing time. And so they've gotten into the habit of just, you know, entertaining themselves, finding something to do. And now most of my kids are in school. So that definitely makes it easier. Although this year I decided to homeschool my first grader. So that's definitely been a challenge to my writing time. With that in mind, how do you plan out your day? I have to be very flexible. I used to, I would sit down for a couple hours and write a thousand words and then be done. And now I have to like segment it out in 250 word chunks. So I'll write 250 words in the morning before my son starts doing school. Then I'll do school with him. Then we'll take a lunch break. I'll write 250 more words, then do school with him again. I said, I don't write well in the afternoon, but I've had to learn to start writing in the afternoon because sometimes that's the only time I get. So when you write those thousand words in the day, do you look at them again tomorrow or do you wait, you not look at them till later? What, how does that work? Every morning when I start writing, I go back and reread the, whatever I had written the day before and I'll edit a little bit. You know, if I find typos or something, I cannot start writing new stuff until the stuff I wrote before is at least how I want it to be. It may not be perfect. And I try to remind myself, especially when I'm writing a first draft, that it is a first draft. And I don't want to go back and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. I don't want to do that until I've got my first draft finished because there's so many things that you end up changing in your second draft. It's just not worth it to go back and totally like erase anything you had before. So yes, I go back and I read what I wrote the day before, but I try not to like over edit. I just, if, it, if there's some typos, if there's some things that don't make sense, I'll clean that up and then start writing my new words. 
Well, any other advice you'd have for newbie authors? Don't get discouraged. Like I said, I tried to get an agent for a long time. I tried different publishers for a long time. There's so many ways to get discouraged when you're a writer. And to me, you just need to remember that feeling that you have when you're writing, when you're so excited to write a story and you're so in love with these characters and just try to remember the feeling that you have. That's really why you do it. It's not like to publish thousands of books. It's not to like get all this fame and recognition. That's never why I wrote books. I always did it because I loved it. Like I love storytelling and Yes, I want people to read my stories. And yes, I want my books to sell. But sometimes I tend to get so focused on that, that I lose my love for writing. And that's just the worst thing you can do. Like, just you've got to stay focused on why you do it and why you love it. To learn more, visit TamaraGrantham.com. Music by Pavel Uden and photography by Casey Meineke. If you like what you're hearing, hit the subscribe button and consider leaving a review. 